Do you shop on Amazon.com? Of course you do. You can now support the Midwest Podcast Network while doing so. Go to Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com and a very small percentage of your purchase will go towards making our network and its content even better. That's Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Bookmark it today. Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Nick. I'm Willie. Today we're going to talk about some listener feedback. We're going to do a what we've been watching. There's a little bit of film news to talk about. And then finally, Willie and Nick are going to talk about The Shallows. Who directed The Shallows? I don't remember. I forgot his name. He did direct uh, Orphan, which was really awesome. I will look it up eventually. We'll look that up. But in the meantime, feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com is where you can write to us. Let us know what you think of the show and the things that we talk about. We're also at MFN Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, please go to MidwestFilmNerds.com and go to the store in order to buy your Midwest Film Nerds apparel and also uh, donate to the network. Uh, that would help us out greatly. Um, Gone to Texas is still going. We're just, we just posted episode six. That means there's four more left in this season of Preacher. You're still going to Texas? We're still going to Texas. And uh, season two was announced. So we're going to be going to Texas for a while, I hope. How has yeah. the journey been so far? It's been good. Good. It's been pretty good. It I is. I think we're both, as me as the non-reader and Nick as the reader of Preacher, I think we're both pretty happy with what we're watching. It's very cool. Yeah. I um. I, I will watch it when it hits Netflix yeah. eventually, you know, yep. and then I'll be able to go back and listen to you guys talk about it. So there that's cool. Go. Something to look forward to. Cool. Yep. Let us know what you think of the show. I will. G2T podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> uh, so. Just tap you on the shoulder. <laughs> you hey, Alex. This what about is good. This? this is pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah. I'll be like uh, Chris Farley on SNL when he interviews Paul McCartney. Like, remember Do when you, you were remember? in the Beatles? <laughs> that, that was really cool. Yeah. All right, so um, feedback. We got some feedback from Yoop uh, quite a while back uh, after his, yeah, his wedding. Yeah, Yoop. So let's uh, listen to that real quick. Hi, guys. Thanks for mentioning our wedding on the podcast and even de- dedicating an entire segment to it. The word you were trying to pronounce is gefeliciteerd, and it means congratulations in Dutch. Of course, I made sure there was some movie teams playing during the wedding. Eva's dad gave her away on the Shire theme of Lord of the Rings uh, because we both loved that movie and it's one of the first movies we watched together, actually. Also, during the ceremony, the song Married Life from the movie Up was playing. Uh, We love that montage and it's a very good movie theme as well. To answer your question about which Kill Bill is better, I prefer Kill Bill 1 because it's a great fight uh, with the crazy 88s and a beautiful anime sequence. And my favorite movie w- with a wedding is About Time. Uh, Rachel McAdams' character reminds me a lot of Eva, so it's very hard for me not to love that movie. Well, thank you, Sai, and long days and pleasant nights to you all. Thank you, Yoop, for your message. Uh, you're welcome for having a segment and for your, the congratulations we gave you. Absolutely. Yes, um, thank you for being a long-time engaging listener yes yes and having um, like the coolest accent absolutely in the biz i still don't know how to pronounce that word nope even though you said it uh i couldn't pull it off no it's just not in our tongue i really appreciated the the dark tower reference oh yeah that he made right at the very end um 
The Shire theme, that's funny because uh, not, it's not fun. That's an awesome thing to have uh, your wife given away to. Mm-hmm. It's great. But mm-hmm. when I was, I went uh, on this like cruise thing in Alaska, like a short day cruise, and we stopped at this island to have dinner. And there's just like this big beach with these really flat rocks that are good for skipping. And there was just a dude sitting out there with like a penny whistle or something playing the Shire theme. <laughs> It was. Uh, I'll show you guys the video because you got a video. I got a video. Oh, that's awesome! A very short video. See, that sounds ridiculous to me. I, no, I, I was. I would just start laughing. It, oh. Yeah, that was ridiculous. But I, you know, and yeah. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Also, that song from Up's really good too. Yeah, about time is a movie I didn't really think about because for some reason I categorize like I. I remember saying I wanted it to be more of a rom com, but it's really more of a coming of age, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of like a. I didn't even think about it when it came to wedding movies, but. Yeah. Well, that was a great, great message. Yes, yes thank, thank you, Yoop. Uh, on to our next piece of feedback from Tommy. Tommy wrote in with uh, email with the subject line, bad news. <laughs> oh, no. Yes. So Tommy said, hey, fellas, I've been listening to you guys for a while, and several movies have come up regularly. One of them is Tron, 1982. I have... Recently acquired HBO, noticed that Tron was on there waiting for me. Without hesitating, I started watching with great anticipation. The MFN reference for this film definitely had me expecting something special. So what did I think? It is unwatchable. (laughs) The performances are very corny. The digital landscape is painful for looking at more than 10 minutes, and the story doesn't make any sense. It seems like the only way one would be able to enjoy it is due to nostalgia I'd very mu- I'd like to understand why you like it so much. Please don't revoke my MFN membership. He said tr- tr- 82, right? Tron 82. 82 okay. Yeah. yeah. So I want to pause there and get to the rest of the message later on. Um Yeah, stop everything. <laughs> no. Uh, go ahead. Tron has corny performances and it's not the most uh high fidelity look that you're ever going to see in a movie, but for me like the the things that Nick and I glom onto for these reasons that other people don't, I think has a lot. Like that, all of us do, is because of the context that we put with it. Yes. And um, thinking about Tron is like the first abstraction of what is going on inside a computer mm-hmm. is one of my main draws to that, and kind of the like if you went back to where computing was at the time that Tron came out. It would seem nuts, but the fact of the matter is that Tron kind of like predicted or headed the curve of like what interaction with computers was like in a lot of ways. Think about even even down to like look at Siri and the fact that they had these programs of their own likeness that were kind of interacting with data and that kind of stuff. Like all of that is in there if you want to look for it. Yes, yeah, that's the thing that uh, frequently comes up, and I even joked with Alex about, because uh, we were talking about going to see The Legend of Tarzan together the other day, yeah. and I didn't end up getting to go, but I, I said, yeah, it's getting blasted on Rotten Tomatoes, and Alex said, yeah, it is, and I said, you know, it might be another another one of those Edgar Rice Burroughs stories, or just <laughs> another one of those movies that, for some reason, Alex and I really latch on to and love, but no one else does, Yeah, and... Uh, Tron, see, it's interesting, because Bruce, uh, that was Bruce who wrote that, right? Tom. Tom. Bruce right. is on going to Texas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's why I had Bruce on the mind. Hey, Bruce. Bruce you're, you're out there. Yeah, Bruce Boxleitner, who was glorious. Yeah. Uh, so, sorry, Tom. Didn't mean to get you confused with Bruce. Uh, 
I don't think nostalgia is a factor because I had not seen the original Tron until like 2009, 10. When we watched. I had when, not when, when viewed, did Legacy come out? I, it came out in 2010. Okay. I had not seen Tron in total until the night that we went to go see Tron Legacy at midnight when it came out. Sure. That was the first time I ever watched Tron. I think probably myself as well. Yeah. We had, we had the VHS tape growing up, but my mom hated Tron. Yeah. So we never watched no, it. Yeah. She was always like, no, you guys don't watch that. I think it was purely my dad just yep. watching Tron and loving it. Um, so it's no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't give nostalgia any any credit really on that one. I think it's. Um, I really appreciate the level of imagination that it has. Absolutely. Like it's very, especially like like you said for the time for nineteen. I mean, really think about nineteen eighty two and and like you said, the way computers worked and what we actually knew about them mm-hmm. and the way. It's part of the reason uh, Halt and Catch Fire is so fun yes, also. Yes, But Tron obviously is... And, and it's, it's an adventure movie, and it takes place in a, in, a, in a world that is removed from ours, but is similar in a lot of ways. And I just think it's a really cool setting for kind of a, just a classic adventure romp, you know, with a, with a couple of guys and a girl and, a, and, and like a warrior. You know, it's kind of like Willow, but, yeah. you know, in a computer. <laughs> <laughs> so... I don't know. I mean, I, I can totally get not liking the original Tron. Yeah, I'm not going to begrudge anybody for hating the original Tron. It is. The, the graphics are really tacky. Will, Willie is raising his hand right now. Can I... Bad news. <laughs> can, I, can I start a segment right now yes. called Hidden Thoughts, Guilty Secrets? Yep. I don't like the first Tron. <laughs> and I think that's totally fair. It's not particularly well directed. But I like everything you guys are saying about yeah. it. The, the pacing isn't very good. Uh but it's just clever. The, the premise is so cool. And Jeff Bridges, I think, is great in it because he's <laughs> really silly. Mm-hmm. He's really zany. Bruce Bo- Boxliner reminds me of Mark Hamill where he's kind of like this young, kind of unknown guy who they saw something in. And he's not very successful, kind of like Mark Hamill. But Mark <laughs> Hamill's obviously doing a lot better now. Yeah. And, and, and he's always had a very healthy VO career. Yep. Which I think Bruce Boxleitner also got into a little bit. Yeah, and, and he I was mean, in like he, he was in like Babylon uh, Five. Was yeah, like his... yeah, and I think he was in Wing Commander or something also, yeah. something like that. Anyway, uh, I I like it because I I really like the people that are really into the franchise. I like that Jeff Bridges kind of digs it. I like that Bruce Boxleitner like really enjoys it, and obviously yeah. he kind of has to because it's like his thing. But the sh- the I want to know if if Tom has seen Tron Legacy. And if yeah. he has seen Tron Uprising, probably not, because you and I are the only I people that have watched yeah, it. Yeah, we're, we're the only... Although I That's think fine. Tron Uprising might be on Netflix again or something like that. But, I hope, I wish. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, Tron, Tron Legacy. Watch that one. Let us know where you're at on Tron Legacy. Because I think... Because we'll let you know where I, we're I, at. I do like Tron Legacy. Yeah, so Willie does. We might have similar feelings, Tom. Yeah, yes. and, I, and I think it's kind of... Um, I, I wonder if we will look back at Tron Legacy in 20 years and people will watch it then and think the same things that you are thinking about Tron right Potentially. now. Potentially. It's just entirely possible. But I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Tron Legacy is so funny, man. I remember you and I just hyping each other up beforehand because we watched the original Tron and then we went to go see Legacy, and we were both just like, oh, God, it was probably this lamest, lamest <laughs> conversation ever. We were both just so stoked because we were like, oh, my God, it's been 30 years. Just imagine how advanced the computers are now. And like, we were like, how, how incredible was the world going to look and, yeah. all, and all this stuff. We were just we, – the, the, the real world parallels between the movie and, and how technology actually has progressed is so sweet. Yeah. 
It's anyway, Tom, watch Tron Legacy. Yeah, please, please do. I, I hope think. he I hope he hasn't seen it yet, because that, that's the way to do it. Yeah. Watch the first one and then watch that one. It's not like Tron is a movie that I will just pop on to have fun and watch. It's that's kind of like a, I'm going to sit down and watch Tron Legacy 2 kind of thing. And I want to double feature them. That's kind of the only the only time that I really do that. But Tron's a door into this universe that kind of just fascinates me to know. Absolutely. And Tron Legacy stands stands totally fine on its own, but yeah. it's so much more rewarding if you've at least slogged through the first the one. The little callbacks and things and just the emotional well, just the payoffs. Arc, the arc for, for Flynn is yep. it's awesome. just totally worth sitting yeah. through the first Tron. So, all right, back to uh, Plus, you'll never, look at, you'll never look uh, at Frisbee's okay. so the same again. He says right here, uh, this is right after he said, please don't revoke my MFN membership. I forgot to read ahead a little bit. He said, I love Haywire. Points from me, but from nobody else, Tom. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. uh, and enjoyed the first uh, 20 minutes I saw of John Carter. Please watch the rest of John Carter. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that did... being said, I'm still looking forward to seeing Tron Legacy. Joe oh, okay. Kaczynski has a good vision for films, and Olivia Wilde is an underrated actress. There See you go. Drinking Buddies. There you I go. saw cool. Drinking Buddies, and it's good. Yeah, I like Drinking Buddies, too. Um... Moving on, I saw a boatload of movies this weekend. Fourth of July 2, Independence Day. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Free State of McConaughey, Warcraft, and The Neon Demon. Of those four, I can only recommend The Neon Demon. It's an artsy movie directed by the dude who made Drive, Nicholas Winding Refn of Only God Forgives fame. <laughs> yeah. Go listen to that episode if you want to. <laughs> if you need to chuckle. Hate life. Uh, the best way to describe it is Black Swan with supermodels and more color. The internet doesn't seem to like it, but it is very challenging and will linger in your brain long after you leave the theater. Oh, um, I'm down for some of that. Yeah. I don't... Uh, let me finish this message. Uh, keep up the great work, and I love your other podcasts. Honestly, I think Game Nerds is my favorite of the three. Uh, he says, honestly, I think that Game Nerds is honestly the fa- my favorite of the three. Oh, oh that's, that's funny. That's good. Uh, <laughs> I went back in, uh, to listen to the whole catalog of MGN, and I never got tired of it in a biblical sense. Don't know what that means. Uh, that's all for now. Go watch the Neon Demon. Uh, I think Tom did write into Game Nerds, and that will be on the episode that should be up shortly. Tom, how can you like Game Nerds better? <laughs> I, you know, I think the Game Nerds plays to the wider crowd. You know, the <laughs> fart joke crowd. We tend wow. to stray it's away universal from humor. Yeah. Uh, Real quick, uh, the Real constant quick, farting on the Game Nerds is really good. Yeah. It is really funny. Uh, Nicholas Winning Refn, by the way, is working on a remake of Maniac Cop because he's a huge fan of Maniac Cop, and I can't wait. A Maniac Cop remake sounds like it's up Rob Rodriguez's alley. <laughs> I know it does <laughs> not be. sound like Nicholas Winning Refn, but I'm total. I think that's awesome. Is Ryan so. Gosling going to be the Maniac said Maniac Cop? I don't know. <laughs> Can I get Robert Zadar? He's. I don't. I don't think he's with us anymore. Mm. What? I think Robert Zadar passed away. I'm pretty Let's sure. find out because yeah. we need to know. Fairly certain. We make a lot of Robert Zadar references because <laughs> he's awesome. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I have no. Yeah, he I, passed away last year. Really? Yeah, last I'm only March. slightly interested in the Neon Demon because Keanu Reeves is in it. And I the interesting thing did is, not know that. I heard that uh, mm-hmm. I was when I was in Alaska, the radio was on, and somebody was describing the Neon Demon as a Keanu Reeves flick, and I'm pretty sure he's nowhere in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think it was it's like. I guess Keanu Reeves isn't as big a box it's... office draw as he thought he was. That movie's marketing is. Got Keanu Reeves nowhere on huh? Yeah, I think it's probably a bit role. Yeah. 
Well, I think I think it might be a biggerish role, but it's just not the draw. Like I think the femme fataliness of it is. The yeah, bigger. Gojo texted me when he first heard about it because he knows I love like eighties aesthetic and I love neon neon neon-y yeah. things. And he was, did you know, there's a movie coming out called The Neon Demon. And I see yeah, it's about supermodels trying to kill each other. And he was like, oh. Never mind. <laughs> and I said, I mean, I'll probably go see it because I like uh, the things I've read about it are very interesting. Yeah. Like, and I, I think I, I'm down. I've been watching a lot of just like stuff lately, like Warcraft in the shallows. I need, I want to, I want to, I want to watch some art house bullshit. Yeah. I want to chew on something meaningless we and do that. <laughs> paint, it, do that. paint it as something meaningful. Next week is kind of open ish, so we can figure something out. No, we don't, I don't know, we don't have to do it for this. I'm we, just saying, I, I mean, want, we I could, go. though. Maybe we should have Lance on. We, Refn, Refn the, is, uh, is an interesting enough filmmaker. Oh, crew. Yeah, yeah reunion. Uh, Refn, is, he's got a lot of talent. I don't know why Only God Forgives was such a mess. Yeah, they were talking about this on, on the Slash Filmcast a couple of weeks ago, and they, you were, know what's, what's, they were wondering if Drive is the, uh, the outlier. No, because Bronson's his, good. Okay, and Valhalla Rising is sweet too. And I've heard good things about the Pusher films as well. Yeah, you know, in a lot, in a lot of ways, though, I mean, Only God Forgives. I, I realize he's made more movies than b- before Drive, but in a lot of ways, Only God Forgives is kind of a sophomore effort in some ways because Drive is the one that he broke through with, yeah. really broke through with. Yeah. So sometimes it happens, the sophomore slump. Thing, Only God Forgives. You know? It's just you know, I was reading a lot of reviews and stuff about it, and people were talking about like how, how great Ellie's great. And I was like, guys, it's okay to say it's bad. It's bad. Come on. Yeah, that's one of those ones where it's like, did people say it's good because it's the guy who made Drive, or did it, it they had, say it's yeah, good it had, and it's Ryan Gosling also. Yeah, it had moments of things I did like, and I think Rick didn't Rick kind of like it. I think so. I think the more you like David Lynch, the more you like Only God Forgives. Like if you're really <laughs> into barometer. if you're really into David Lynch, you'll probably take away more. I think you still won't really love it, but you might you might <laughs> appreciate how bizarre some of it is. On the on the uh, Tim kind of liked it too. I think the Flickster app or whatever I'm in here. The first uh, review that pops up is Wesley Morris from Grantland, and he says directors are always digging around in their psyches for material. David Lynch, yeah. So it's it's totally a David Lynch kind of yeah, definitely. Yeah. It had moments I liked, but there were like three of them, and that's not enough. Yeah, I don't think I liked any of it. It had some good Cliff Martinez soundtrack. I do I do some, remember some uh, of the original score was good. Had some great uh Korean uh karaoke. karaoke. Yeah. But anyway. Lots of fascinating karaoke segments. Thank you, Tommy and you for writing in. Yes. Uh, feedback at MidwestFilmers.com is where you can do that. And we'll talk about what you say on the show. At length. Um what we've been watching. Nick, what have you been watching? Nothing. Nothing too busy okay willie what have you been watching i watched um season four of orange is the new black ah it's not very good i fell off after season two yeah i didn't even like season one that much it's been a steady decline since season one and season two i liked and then three i was like uh and four i i didn't like four at all i and it's funny i I just feel like there's a couple issues that one, it has zero focus early on in the season. They have yeah. no idea. It's just a series of scenes happening that really are, don't have any sort of connection or, and then it, it finds its footing a little bit. And I was like, okay, you know, here's where it's going. And then they, I don't know to me, it's, it didn't, I, I didn't like this season at all. I, I thought all the social commentary and stuff was so heavy handed, so heavy handed. Yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, I, I can appreciate it when, You've got kind of a black comedy, like it's 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 a dark comedy. That's what this show is, yeah. and I appreciate it when you can lace some of that with some little jabs at you know 
at the world as a whole, but these ones felt so forced. But to every me. prisoner who's in there, like every woman who's in there, has some kind of story that touches on like a major social. Sure, yeah, like, and, and that's been part of the show for a while. Yeah. This one, I think, this one is. I don't know. It doesn't work for me. I don't want to get too far into it. I don't want to spoil it for anybody. But yeah. they touch on a lot of like the um, Black Lives Matter kind of movement. Yeah. And it just it was felt overly heavy-handed, and it didn't feel like organic didn't feel enough. Natural. It didn't yeah. feel organic to me. So I was a little disappointed by that because I, th- I think the writing in season one, and for the most part, season two is really – I think it's pretty sharp. So – I thought they fell off a little bit this time around, but I don't know. I think some it's getting good reviews, so hey, hmm. you know. Um, I also watched It, the uh, television miniseries from 1990, which I have not watched in years. Um, and I start. I watched it because I am reading the book. Um, mm. I heard about It, is the It book of the summer that everybody's reading right now. Yes, well, and I don't want to get into it too far because I'm actually going to write something for the website about this, but there's some weird stuff going on right now with this book. I swear to you, there's some weird stuff in my life that are going, like, this is a book where, okay, just briefly, um, this, the story of It and Pennywise the Clown and all that was told to me by a friend through his sister who was reading the book at the time, but she told it to him as an actual, like, like like it was happening it had happened in berkeley (laughs) and so i already had this built up in my head i was terrified of it before i ever saw the movie ever i didn't even know it was a book yeah and i got the book at one point and i've had i've been holding on to this book for 22 years oh you've never read it nope it has followed me around it followed (laughs) me to colorado it followed me back it's i've had it for 22 years and i finally opened it up cracking it open and uh it's something else man it really is it's it, it is. There's some interesting. I don't know. There's. I'll right. I'll be writing about it. But Let's save it for the article. But in terms of the movie, um, I, I read it right in the middle of where I'm at in the book. I, I took a break from the book and I was like, yeah, I'll watch the movie and kind of, you know, uh, refamiliarize myself. It's a cool movie, actually. It really, it does hold up pretty well. Um, I like it. It's got kind of all the Stephen King touchstones. I think. Um, it's a, it's a pretty darn good adaptation. From I, I'm like 800 out of 1300 pages into the book right now. And um, it's a pretty good adaptation. I can. I, it's funny because this is the first time where I've watched a movie adaptation in the middle of reading a book, and I kind of like it because <laughs> I'm sitting there watching the movie and I'm going, "God, I understand why they cut that genius to cut that scene." Like, I love it in the book, but that I would have done the exact same thing. Like, I have you see... seen it before the miniseries? Oh, absolutely. Okay. No, that's that's another, that's another part of the whole thing too. Is when I saw that. Um, the one image that always stuck out in my head from the story my friend told me on the playground was the little paper boat rolling down the mm-hmm. the, the stream or the the uh, into the, the gutter the drain the, yeah. yeah storm drain and so I one night I was at a babysitter's house and all of a sudden I see this scene of this little kid chasing a boat on the stream and I, I instantly my heart started it's like <laughs> this is it this is the story this is the one I heard about like and so I watched the whole thing and I I still to this day can't put my foot near the drain in the shower. Like I it can't get anywhere. And so I have to like have a certain distance still. It's whole, it's ridiculous. It's I am a 30 year old man. It's the power, the power of Stephen King. It's stuck with me. So, um, the miniseries really does hold up pretty well. Um, totally understand the decisions they made and the cuts they made. I think if you were going to make it, I think the, the really the best way to do a full on faithful adaptation of it is to do it as like an HBO limited series. Like a 10-episode. 10-episode, yeah. like a True Dicks length type thing. 
And even then, honestly, some of the content in that book, and I, and for those who haven't read it, I'm not going to spoil anything, but there's a lot of sexual stuff going on with 11-year-old kids, and you can't put that on. Like, on a, no yeah. one wants to see that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I, I understand that cut, and I understand a lot of other cuts, too. It was cool watching it, you know, uh, parallel side with the book. Side. and. Um, Tommy Lee Wallace directed it. He's really cool. He directed, um, he was, worked with John Carpenter for many, many years. And um, I think he directed Halloween 3 with Stonehenge, um, which is awesome. Uh, no, I really enjoyed it. I think if you haven't seen the, the uh, I think everybody knows who Pennywise is and knows the clown and the image of Tim Curry. Yeah. And I think everybody should check it out uh, if you haven't seen it. It's, it's actually a weirdly accessible horror movie for like a younger audience. Because it's based so much around kids, and it's not overly gory, um, it's not overly profane, it's scary. Um, yeah, yeah. I've never seen look. it. It's about four oh. hours total. Um, it's split. It's really beautifully split into two halves. And the first, the first night, the, end, the ending of the first half is so good. The first night is 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 the better of the two. Once once they get into the adult stuff, it's still good. Um, but there's something about the kids tackling the problem that's i think more interesting than than the adults tackling the problem you know and i think tim curry's performance gets a little hokey in the second half he gets a little too goofy for my taste he's not quite as vindictive as i was hoping because he's really nasty in the first half Mm. um so no it's really cool i think i think everybody should check it out if you haven't seen it they got a remake well i guess it's not really a remake but they've got another version of it coming out um, being worked on next year. It's being yeah. shot right now. Is it? Oh, they are. Yeah, shooting. they started filming end of June. So yeah, a couple of weeks ago. I uh, wish it was still in the hands of um, Kerry Fukunaga. I'm glad it's not. Really? I, I I was not at first, but I'm glad it's not. He wanted to he wanted to film the book as it is, and he wanted he said I don't care if we get an uh, supposedly from what I understand quote wise. He said, I don't care if we get an X rating on this thing. Like, this is the way this movie mm. needs to be. And he was very standing his ground on that. And and I don't doubt his comments about them wanting more scares and stuff in it. But at the end of the day, it is a horror movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and a book is very different from a horror movie. So I'm glad they're still using most of his script. I think that's a good idea because I think he's a very talented... Uh, he wrote, I think, Beast of No Nation. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Very talented. Um, I am glad that he's now focusing on the alienist, or so I hope. Yeah. I, I, doing I, that. I, I, I was originally very on board with Kerry Fukunaga, but I, I, clearly the, the two weren't meshing, and I think it's better that he got out and that they were able to find somebody who was a little more... You know what I mean? We'll see. The end result could be a disaster. I don't know. The guy who directed Mama's doing it. Mama had some cool visuals. I didn't like the movie very much. Um, I saw some snaps of the kids... Uh, they cast. They all look awesome. Oh, that's good. Um, I think it's an interesting gamble the studio's taking um, that they're. It's written as two movies, and they're only filming one of the two movies right now, and seeing how it does before they make the second movie oh, with the adults. Oh god, that is such a gamble. They're not casting any of the adults right now or anything. That's weird. So that's weird. Uh, the only other thing that's kind of strange is that. They're modernizing the time period. So hmm. in, in the book, it's the late 50s when they're kids. Yeah. And then it's the late 80s, like 80s when they're adults. Yeah. And this one, it's going to be the late 80s when they're kids and now when they're adults. Hmm. Which some of the 80s stuff could be interesting. Um, we'll it's see. Not, it's not bad necessarily. We'll but it doesn't, It's not a break, break from... It doesn't break it for me. I also don't know much about Skarsgård, the, the, the younger Skarsgård brother who they cast as Pennywise. 
Is uh, that who's playing Pennywise? Yeah, he's only like 28, 29, something like that. So they went younger. I remember they were going to go with Will Poulter when... That's right. When uh, Fukunaga... And I was, I was like, whoa, that's... Like when I first heard that, I was like, that's odd. But I kind of dig it. Like I like a younger actor because it's more... It's weirdly... It's creepier to me almost if he's closer to them like age-wise. I don't know. For some reason, that freaks me out even more. That's so. true. He's got a really distinctive face too. I he bet does. it would have looked really face. interesting under the makeup. Yeah, yeah. So I'm. I really. I, I'd like to see. I hope they don't keep the look of Pennywise completely. I, I want to see it. Give me a snap of it. Like let's let's see it. You know what I mean? Um, oh yeah, this guy's creepy looking. He's got a creepy factor about him. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, All right, I'm kind of into it. And it's always good to see one of the Scars guards getting work. Yep, I like that. Crew, I, uh, so. <laughs> It's too bad we didn't get a Ben Mendelsohn Pennywise. But he was he was you know he was like on the short list, right? Was he really? He was he was one of the top names. That would have been so good. Yeah, so, really but good. I really wanted to play a good guy at some point soon. <laughs> at some point in his life, instead um, of like the ultimate villain, because like you said, everyone knows who Pennywise is. He's yeah, and and I will say this: Have you has anybody read the book here? No, nope. Alex, you don't read. Nick, <laughs> you're not you're not about to read a thirteen hundred page about a page book about a killer clown. Nope. Um, no. Have you read? Okay. You should. I'm. I know. You're, I kind of know. As a fellow I, King fan, I know the main beats, so I, I know a lot of what you're talking about. And yeah. I don't know how I know. I don't know if my dad told me, or I think my brothers read it, and I think he was telling me all about it because we used to really like the the miniseries. We used to watch it all the time, and he was telling me a lot of the stuff that happens in the book that doesn't happen in the movie. There's a. I, I will say this without giving anything. I won't say who the character is or anything. There's a scene in the book where a guy is is pulled away by it. In one of its many forms, mm-hmm. and he, the chapter ends with him waking up for a moment after passing out and looking down and watching it eat him Oof. before he passes out again. And I was like, "Give me that in the movie! That's like, give horrifying. me that! That yeah. that that scary! It doesn't have to be gory, honestly. Well, the part in the miniseries when when there's the the never mind. Wait. No, go we'll, ahead. We'll talk about it. No, I don't want to spoil anything for Alex. Okay. Hasn't seen it or yeah. That's fine. There, there are some creepy parts. In there's the some scary sure. stuff, and yeah. the book really. I, I'm glad the movies are going to be R. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's. I think it doesn't have to. Like I said, it doesn't have to be super gory. Really, a lot of the book isn't overly gory. There's moments, but the but like it's got to be scary. Like yeah. I hope it's really scary. Michael Shannon as Pennywise would have been awesome too. <laughs> I, think, I think he was on the list too. God, that's Pretty great. Because sure. the Bill Skarsgård reminds me of Michael Shannon. Well, speaking of Michael Shannon and. Scars guards. I've been watching a lot of stuff since I've been traveling. Yeah. Um, neither of those people are in a movie called Pawn Sacrifice that I tried to watch. Almost <laughs> got Willie there. Uh, this is a movie about Bobby Fischer and his kind of Cold War exploits uh, in in chess, uh, facing off of. Um, <sighs> trying to think of. So is this technically a sequel to the uh, searching for? I searching don't know. For Bobby I've never seen that movie. But every time I think of Bobby Fischer, real quick, I'm sorry. I think of the SNL skit where they're doing the uh, Will Ferrell and yeah. um, they're doing the Bobby yeah, Fischer at the, at the chess where tournament. Is he? I yep. don't know. Yeah, yeah, yep. absolutely good. Uh, no, so Tobey Maguire plays Bobby Fischer and Liev Schreiber plays um, Boris Spassky, who is kind of the. Top like Russian, Russian, Russian. I am Russian chess, chess player master. Back in back in the day, and uh, I couldn't get through this movie. I got through half of it, and I just was like, I don't really care about this, even though I like chess. 
I don't know. It was weird. There's been a lot of love for Liev Schreiber on this podcast. I really, I always, he's always someone that I'm interested in what he's up to. And he's great. Maybe the problem is that I think the first half of the movie is Schreiber light. And mm. it's maybe backloaded with Schreiber. So I would like to go back <laughs> at some point. And, it's a great uh, song title, Backloaded with Schreiber. <laughs> Schreiber light. Are these uh, beers? <laughs> beer commercials? Midwest Film Nerds Beer Co. Um <laughs> So, yeah, uh, I want to go back to that at some point. Directed by Edward Zwick. Oh, um, Edward last, Zwick. Last Samurai fame. Last Samurai. Really, really like Edward Zwick. So I'm, I want to go back to it, but it didn't quite catch me uh, halfway through. Uh, a couple weeks ago, speaking of Michael Shannon. Uh, Here we go. Tom suggested 99 Homes, and uh, I finally sat down to watch that. It's Michael Shannon as like a real estate mogul and Andrew Garfield as a as a man who's kind of lost his house to the subprime mortgage loan deal that whole kind of thing it's a pretty compelling movie i like it quite a bit there's some great performances michael shannon's at his slimiest and that's a great way to watch michael shannon absolutely um just oozing yeah being, andrew garfield first would be ideal <laughs> like the matrix <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> um yeah wires coming out of them and yeah, anyway unplug uh, michael shannon <laughs> Um, Laura Dern's in there as well as playing Andrew Garfield's mother. Um, that's awesome. And everybody's everybody in it's great. Uh, I think it's a very compelling story. It is a cool companion piece with the big short. I was going to ask if it was going to be that. I think it's a very interesting, it's, it's like a fictionalized, like kind of more focused viewing of that issue in the big short. So it's a good, they're good companion pieces for each other, but I definitely recommend it. It's on Amazon prime for free. So 99 homes is kind of the micro and. And uh, what's the other one? Uh, Big Short is Big the Short's macro. Big Short's like the macro. The yep. whole, okay, yep. cool. I like that. Um, I also watched Hello, My Name is Doris, which is that Sally Field, Max Greenfield movie that came out uh, mm-hmm. not long ago, directed by Michael Showalter of mm-hmm. Wet Hot American Summer fame. What? I'm, I'm waiting for your... Uh, is it... It was good. Okay, cool. It really yeah. reminded me of like a... Um, a smaller, like a a more personal and smaller scale uh, Walter Mitty. Oh, uh, that's cool. So I think I think it's I think it's worth checking out. I caught that one on the plane. I don't know if it's available uh, on streaming anywhere yet. I love the trailer. Uh, I was like, I I was really com- like, wow. All right. Cool. I think I think it's a pretty interesting movie. It's 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 definitely a show Walter movie. I think like it's not it's not like silly out the wall, but it is kind of like awkward and, and yeah it seemed like it was his voice i mean just from the bit i saw in the he trailer. he shows in it and and it's uh and and there's other like kumail nanjiani's in it there's a bunch of other smaller awesome. smaller actors That's that cool. are that do great jobs in it How's so max greenfield max greenfield is charming as Top ever notch. i fell in love with did him you ever too. watch about alex that i told you to watch no but i need to dude really good you like it a check lot it out. yeah um did Max Greenfield make you wish he was cast as Iron Fist, as one <laughs> yes, lone soul I mean, on Reddit suggested? So, such a such a loss. Um, started watching a TV show called Jane the Virgin. It's on CW. Uh, it's interesting. It's kind of like an English uh, telenovela, you know, from like Telemundo. Mm-hmm. It's really it's weird, but it's it's kind of cool. It's very unique. It's okay. I'm doing my Commodus impression from uh, oh, okay, Gladiator. Good. And then uh, Casual, the Hulu exclusive Jason Reitman produced TV series is airing once again. Um, 
It's got Michaela Watkins of other comedy things fame. <laughs> um, and it's still quite a good show. It's like five episodes in, and I enjoy it quite a bit. Uh, two other things to talk about. Game of Thrones wrapped up. Willie, what'd you think really quick? Oh, I, I, for a season that started off meandering and, and seemingly all over the place. Oh man, I'm, I'm psyched. I, yeah. I'm, I know, I like, I feel like I know where we're headed finally. Like we're, we're at the end. This is like the moment for me in, in like end of season three of lost where I was like, here we go. Like it's, we're, we're on the right path now. We are now on critical. You need to get shit done. Bullet train is the bullet train last is yeah. 16 episodes or whatever yep. it is. And I, and I like where so, we're headed. Or 13 Maybe, episodes. I think I will say this. This this season in general, there's a lot of teleporting characters, which I understand can be distracting because in previous seasons it would have taken them like six episodes to get from point A to point B. Now it's like I'm here in the same episode. I'm fine with that. I don't care. I'd rather I'd rather that happen than some weird subplot where the guy's traveling. Lord They've of the Rings just style. been so terrible with depicting how time works in their stories that I don't think it's actually teleporting. It's just. They're playing very loose with how these things are happening they, around They totally each other. are. And yeah. I, honestly, that part I almost forgive because I'm, I'm happy for the expediency at this point. Yeah. Um, also, there's some stuff happening. There's some cutthroatiness with the some of the kingdoms and houses and stuff that, like, that shit wouldn't have flown back in season one, two, or three. Like, people would have been gunning for certain... You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. actions have been taken this season where I'm like, that 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 never would have happened, like, back in... You know, I feel like they're breaking their own rules a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said... And, and then some of the season was a little bit predictable. Like, I was like, well, yeah, I kind of figured that was going to happen. Yeah. Whereas the show has had a penchant for being not so predictable before. But honestly, I'm... I'm like we're we're towards the end here. Like let's just go gung ho and like make it a big battle show and have everybody throw down. And so, I, I'm 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 ready for it. Yeah, the um, uh, Matt Hurt, the host of the Obsessive Viewer podcast, who he did the the Oscar uh, exchange with, he tweeted out, "I gave Game of Thrones grief for feeling like they were nowhere near the end of the series. Definitely got egg on my face after that finale." And I said, "I think the grief still stands. You can't tread water for eight episodes and then have two good episodes and call the season great." That's kind of where I stand on it. I think that's fair. I think uh, it was this was some of the most wheel spinny season that they've ever had on the show. So, um, and then finally, in the what we've been watching segment of the show, I saw The Legend of Tarzan, directed by David Yates of uh, Harry Potter fame, starring uh, Alexander Skarsgård of earlier in this podcast fame. Not really. The Skarsgård of family. Anyway. Zoolander fame. Um, <laughs> this movie's not very good. I'm sad about it because I think uh, there's a place in my heart for Edgar Rice Burroughs' properties. Yes. <laughs> As we know from our love of John Carter. But um, I think one of the, the some of the biggest problems I have with this movie, the CG is not good. I think they spent it all on the apes, so everything else doesn't work very well. And when you have something... Set in the jungle the same year that um, the Jungle Book came out, and the Jungle Book looks insanely good. It's a shame that the jungle in this movie doesn't feel as alive as that one does. Um, Sam Jackson is at his most Sam Jackson. He's just a Sam Jackson character in a Tarzan movie as the comedic relief, and it isn't good. So he's sleepwalking. It's it's bad. It's it's just really disappointing like anytime he's on screen i checked out 
So that was that was not good. Um, it's kind of the way I felt about him and Django. I was kind of like, yeah, this is really cartoonish. I feel like he's more. I mean, because it's a Tarantino movie, I guess I'm more willing to like accept that he's there. Whereas like Tarzan doesn't feel like Sam Jackson should be there anywhere. But um, but I can I I can understand that. Um, Alexander Skarsgård gets his charm stripped away from him that I've seen in other things that he's been in as uh, Mikas and Zoolander and uh, Eric Northman in True Blood. You remember his character? Yes, name? of course. He's definitely um, Mikas. So uh, that that was disappointing, and uh, I think Margot Robbie was just kind of like, oh, she's Jane, you know. Uh, the one other thing that I know would be the one thing that Tim would want to talk about if he saw this movie. Uh, there's a priest rape joke in this movie. A what? I'm a sorry, what? A priest, a priest rape oh, joke. Oh, like, like, oh. like, like priests Catholic, doing rape? Classic uh, Catholic abuse scandal joke where basically Christoph Waltz's character has this rosary around his hand that is made out of spider silk or something that he can kill people with for some reason. And... Um, He's like dining with Margot Robbie because she's captive like uh Elizabeth Swan in the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. And so that scene you have that scene again, but when they're having dinner, he's like, "Oh yeah, I got this uh rosary." She asks him if he's like a Catholic or a very religious man. He's like, "I got this rosary from uh my priest who bought it for me in Jerusalem." And then she's like, "Sounds like you were awful close with your priest." That's weird. And then it and then it, like they move on from the it was bad. That's I was weird. I, I cringed so hard at it. I was like I don't understand why. I think this. I would have seen that in the theater. Is that what that even was? I it no, there's no that? there's no question. Like that is exactly what it is. That's bizarre. She like basically stopped short of winking at the camera, which was weird <laughs> and bad. So don't see The Legend of Tarzan. Uh apparently too many people are cuz it's beating its projections but yeah but there's only like three showtimes at every theater by yeah. us which is pretty interesting yeah so that's really disappointing the trailer for it was super cool i'll always have the trailer i think it may have even made my top 10 anticipated i'm not sure yeah i can't remember it looks sweet point. i guess it's another just another wolverine origins yeah you know and Tarzan's a character with a ton of potential the weird thing is that like a lot of what's even shown in the trailer because that's the trailer that i did watch is like third act like that trailer is mostly third act, but it's yeah I don't know. Oh well. Anyway, that's enough of what we've been Reboot watching. In ten years. Yeah. Uh, really quick. Anton Yelkin died when when we were off for our little break. Uh, very sad uh, freak accident that happened. Um, I just wanted to talk really quick about some of our favorite Anton Yelkin performances. This is so dumb. Yeah, I, I agree. It's so dumb. Yeah. Like, super dumb. Yep. Like, yeah, like, In this, a year of dumb deaths. Yes. This one, this one, honestly, I think is the, is the one that bums me out the most, though. And it's not because I was a, a bigger or, or not as big a fan of it as anybody else. That doesn't matter. Like, he was so young. Yeah. He was, like, so promising and had been, like, I thought really kill, killing it in general with his choices and stuff. Mm-hmm. It was a total accident. He did nothing wrong. Like, ugh, horrible. Yeah. But he's awesome. Um, Alpha Dog. I still haven't seen Alpha Dog. Really First one I remember to. seeing him in. Really? Yeah. 
He's uh, really good. JT movie I haven't seen. That is bizarre. <laughs> it's the only movie I actually kind of accept him in. <laughs> Besides Southland Tales, of course. Yes. He's really good in Alpha Dog. He like is the most sympathetic kid on the planet. He's got those like puppy dog eyes. That he just, is good. Yeah. yeah. Um, brilliant casting because he like you feel so bad for him the whole time. Mm. Um, let's see what else did I really really like? Uh, Green Room just recently. Green Room very he was recently. Awesome yeah. in Green Room. Um. And, you know, there's actually a movie um, called Fierce People that he did with Diane Lane and Donald Sutherland and Chris Evans. Um, I really liked that movie. I haven't watched it since it came out on DVD, but he is, he gives a really good performance. Yeah. Um, and he plays well against all the actors he's with. Um, Charlie Bartlett, another one that I liked him in quite a bit. Him and Robert Downey Jr. have crazy good chemistry in that movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. Nick, any favorite uh, performances? Um, no, you know, I I was never really a huge Anton Yokin fan. I I thought he was fine, but uh, I don't know. He just ne- I never saw him in, in much that really made me go, "Wow, I love that kid." The one thing I was actually really did like him though, he is he has a very good impression of Michael Bean in Terminator, Terminator Salvation. Yeah. Incredible, yeah. yeah, it's so good. And I was like. I was ang- I love Kyle Reese and I love Terminator. This is no secret. And when they were making Terminator Salvation and I heard Reese was going to be in it, I was like, sweet. And then when they said it's going to be Anton Yelkin, I was like, no. <laughs> so I'm like, he's a kid. And like, I just, I don't know. I never really, I never liked him that much. And then I saw the movie finally. And the movie sucks. But <laughs> I actually was like, you know what? He's pretty good. Like, he's he, a glimmer he, of hope. He has, he has a really garbage. great, Michael Bean's not a guy where you even think he needs to be impersonated, really. But then he does a great job. He he's, really he's emulates actually one of the better parts of the movie. Yeah, he is. Yeah, and it's the only movie Sam Worthington's any good in, so it's really <laughs> remarkable. And Christian Bale's awful in it. So yeah. what's going on in this movie? Anyway, I liked him in that. I thought he was fun in Star Trek, uh, and I guess that's about it. I mean, that's pretty much all I ever saw him in. And then I did, I did just recently see Alpha Dog, mm. and he is really good in that. But I mean, it's sad because yeah, he's just super young, and and the outpouring after he died was like tremendous. Yeah. And you could tell he had a lot of friends in the community, and people really liked him, and that he was uh, he was really going places. So that was uh, you know, it's a bummer. Oh, he's oh. in Hearts in Atlantis. That's right. Yeah, he's really cute. <laughs> Fright Night remake. He's really small. Remake. Yeah, you, I, I remember you saying that you yeah. liked the Fright Night remake. Yeah, I um, yeah, I, I do like his checkoff, which once again is like a, a I think he I think he in particular had a few different casting roles in these bigger franchises where people are like, really? He that like that's the one? Because when you think about um God, what was the name of Bor uh, I think Boris the guy who played Chekhov. Walter Koenig? Walter Koenig, not Boris. Walter Koenig. Uh they're nothing alike. No. They're nothing alike. They don't look alike. But the bumbling kid checkoff of Star Trek 09 is a very fun role. And just any time I think of that movie, I think of Alpha Victor, Victor, Victor. Like it's all of it, I think, is perfect. And, and so it's, you know, it's, a, it's definitely a bummer, especially after Green Room, to see him uh pass away i do want to see i feel like i've missed out on most of his noteworthy roles dude yeah. green room so i i didn't see you know i didn't see green room i, I haven't seen uh, i think you would really Friday dig night. that movie it's funny because i wanted to see if, it if you were to, i liked like, blue ruin if you were to re- direct a horror movie if you were like i'm directing a horror movie that's the exact kind of horror movie i'd expect you to direct i'd be like that's nick's movie like <laughs> that that would be it does it hit all what what 
Check I don't boxes, know. It's just it got, and it's just got. I will talk later. About it's it, it's about a group of people barricaded in somewhere it's trying a to fend siege off. Siege movie, which I know you love. Love siege movies because you know I love them too. Yeah. and it's just it's got kind of like a. <laughs> Like you've always had this little bit of you that's kind of punk rock and like a hidden punk rock side, and it's got that kind of cool like I like that, yeah. It's got that vibe about it. Does it feature uh, a marketplace filled with various creatures of different species? It, it features <laughs> a bar filled with some interesting characters. See, for that, sure. there you go. That's pretty close. Does <laughs> anyone wear a full overface mask with light up LED eyes? Because I love that too. It, it does no. not feature. There's that. no Star Lord or, or Stewart, Man mask. And there's some killer, uh, some killer. Uh, headshots some tunes so uh, some good music too yeah yeah well jeremy solnier yep. is that yeah blue ruin was pretty sweet oh, yeah the first act of blue ruin it like the movie could have ended and i, I would be totally satisfied like that the, it's really str- really strong the lead from blue ruin is in green room too. oh is he yeah. that's really cool and he's got a cool role in green room what's that guy's name yeah. i think he's a Dwayne remember. something is that his name is in the movie Jamie something? i can't, I, can't I don't remember. know i know he's got a strange he's name. cool though he's a cool actor yeah um, that blue ruin was it was a was a thing for sure. Yeah. Not I'm to, psyched for you. To, I, I want to see what you think of Green Room. I, I'm just waiting for you to be like, dude. I would never direct a movie like. Macon Macon Blair. Macon Blair. That's Dwight in Blue Room. Dwight was his name in the movie. Gabe right. in Green Room. Yeah. Um, Anton Yelkin. Too bad. And Macon in Murder Party. Um, yeah. Anyway, Anton Yelkin. We will miss Star you. Trek yeah. Three. Will be Star Trek Three. Will, will be, be your uh, your swan song, and yep, we'll see. I've heard. Good things about people who have seen scenes of the movie and That's not just the trailers. So they were saying that it was better than anything that was in Into Darkness, which is a low bar, but well, well, Into Darkness had a pretty great moment of Benedict Cumberbatch carrying a minigun and like that was jump, sweet. jump kicking people, and I was like, yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. it also had the moment that was lifted from Dead Space Two, which was also pretty cool when they were shooting through the yes, the yeah. field. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I'll see Star Trek 3 now because Anton Yelkin is no longer with us. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's really sad. Well, uh, I think it's on to our final segment of the show. <laughs> Unless you listen on past the uh, music because there's a little there's more a discussion after that. The, yeah. But, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Nick and Willie, you guys went to go see Jomi Kalesaraz. There you go. I don't know if that's true at all. The Shallows, this is uh, the director of uh, Orphan and Nonstop and Unknown. And House of Wax. And House of Wax. Which whoa, I actually whoa, whoa, have whoa. seen the House of Wax. House of Wax, like, 09? Yeah. 05. Is it 05? Uh, that was just on TV yesterday, and I was like, I love this movie. Like, I, it's, yeah, I've actually seen that movie. That's, that's, a, that's a relatively recent horror movie I've actually seen. It's kind I, of a cool, yeah. yeah. I used to think Alicia Cuthbert was super sexy, so I was like, oh. I'll watch it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Alicia Yeah, that's right. She's the one, yep. All right, that was Sorry. okay. It was creepy. Yeah. Um, IMDb synopsis for The Shallow says, A mere 200 yards from shore, surfer Nancy is attacked by a great white shark, with her short journey to safety becoming the ultimate contest of wills. Um, Blake Lively is the star of the film, uh, with a bunch of other smaller roles as well. Uh, Nick, what did you think of The Shallows? As oh. the resident uh, shark fearer. I don't know. I think that's one of our original bonding moments is the fact that we both hate the deep. Oh, yeah. yeah so true. I have a really... I don't think it's even an irrational fear because if there's a rational fear, it's to be afraid of giant predatory aquatic <laughs> things. And the, they uh, the only scared... irrational thing about it is that you live in Michigan. 
<laughs> yeah, we don't have any of those things up here. But I don't, I don't care. I won't go. If, if... No, it's, I think it's a fair, yeah. Well, what's really funny is my girlfriend just came back from a, a week up north on the lake. Up north, for those of you who aren't from Michigan, means going to pretty much everybody's family in Michigan. Either either someone in your family or one of your best friends, their family owns a cottage or a house on a lake. Like, everybody does. <laughs> and sometimes yeah. it's not even north. Sometimes it's out west. Or... <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. From, from the metro Detroit area, it's generally north in a northerly direction. Yeah. But mid-Michigan and northern Michigan are just chock full of thousands of inland lakes, and everybody owns property on one. And uh, so around here, you can just say, I'm going up north, and everybody gets it. Yep. And they, they know generally what that means you're doing. So we just came back from up north, and uh, my girlfriend was the one who also wanted to see The Shallows, which is funny because she goes to a movie once every three to six months, probably. And actually, she <laughs> this is how, how infrequently she goes. Um, she was like, yeah, that's fine. You know, we can go. I'll, I'll buy it. And I was like, okay. And then it was like $21 for the two tickets. And she was like, what? <laughs> you do this how many times a week? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so... She, but then after we after we saw it, I was like, "Well, we're going to be on a lake in like a couple of days, and I don't know if I'm going to really want to be <laughs> in on or around the lake because giant water things really scare me. Yeah, even small water things sometimes do. Um, and so this movie, I saw the trailer and I started sweating. Like it <laughs> freaked me out, and. I've seen some show. I mean, Jaws is a phenomenal movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just a great film all around, top to bottom. And it's it it does have some scary moments. I've seen Jaws at least a dozen times in my life, and there are still moments in that that freak me out. And I've seen the the two noteworthy ones are Jaws and Open Water. And I think of the nighttime scene in Open Water when they're just in the water and they know the sharks are around and it's pitch dark and you hear thunder and then when it lightnings and you see fins going around them and that's it just in the lightning yeah. i almost jumped out the window when i saw <laughs> that movie just to be near the earth because it <laughs> it's so effective like there's just that notion of being out in that in that space where humans are not really evolved to really be too successful like this movie could be like Michael Phelps and he'd be fine. He would just beat the shark to shore and he'd be great. <laughs> but he's the one guy that can do that. For the rest of us, we're pretty helpless in water. Even if you're a strong swimmer, it's you're you know. Even if you, you haven't been attacked by a shark, you don't belong there. Yeah. yeah. And it's funny because I, I really love science and animals. I was always really into biology as a kid, and I knew a lot of animal facts, and I know all about sharks. And I know that they don't attack people, and I know they don't want to eat people, and that they they bite people because they don't have hands, and they yeah. use their mouths to check things out. And that's how people usually die, is that they just get bit, and then they bleed out. I know all these things. Doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> this is still the ultimate horror movie experience for me. And so all that said, like I, I went and sat in the theater, and I was just stroking out the whole movie like i <laughs> i was f- so anxious i like closed my eyes multiple times and i never i never do that ever this, yeah like, this is the only like movie you will hear nick talk about this <laughs> yeah i never I don't, i'm not a jumper in the like in really scary like the conjuring super scary loved it never looked away never ju- i'm not like a jump scare guy like i never i never jump it's more of like an internal like oh yeah. and, that, and that's about it it's like there's a, a really funny vine if you use vine that says like when you're reading a scary book or something and it shows this guy just looking at a book or it says when you get to the scary part of a horror book and there's a guy just staring at a book for like five seconds and he goes, ah, like, <laughs> and that's it. That's how I usually am in scary movies. But the show, I like was looking away and I was like looking through my hand at one point and like, I, there's one part near the end of the movie. I straight I closed my eyes and I was like, and my girlfriend was laughing at me and I was like, I can't help it. Like this is just, this is my greatest fear. Wow. 
So all of that said, the movie does a pretty good job of fulfilling those fears. And the first act especially is like pins and needles when you're just waiting for something to happen. And the director, I, you know, I, the only other thing I've seen he made is House of Wax, so whatever. <laughs> and he, he does a really good job, though, of kind of because you know. Everyone knows. They know Jaws. They know shark movies. They know kind of how this works, that you see the fin, that you get the sense of it. You get the underwater shot of the, someone's feet. You know all these things. They're, they're tropes that, despite the fact that there's not that many of these movies, really, they're so ingrained in our consciousness as, uh, as a film-going society that he just needs to just flex that muscle just a little bit and it's effective. Like you don't need to do much and the less you do really the better. And that's the thing is once the shark is established, I immediately got less scared because once you see it and once, once your expectation of it is calibrated and you know what it looks like and you, you finally really can, can see it as a flesh and blood creature, it becomes a little bit less scary. That's not to say the movie gets bad after that point, but the tension was relieved for me, which was necessary because I would probably be in a hospital right now <laughs> because I'm telling you, like, it was so bad. I still felt felt tense, but I lost the feeling of dread, which yes. is totally different. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. And, and even though you don't know how the movie's going to end, you don't know uh, what winds up happening to uh, Nancy, uh, Blake Lively's character, you you are you are still tense, yes. And when the sharks are around, you feel tense because how can you not? It's a big ass shark, and she's in the middle of the water. That's just the way it works. But it, uh, I was able to focus a little bit more on the things that a lot of people were praising about the movie because I was noticing people were frequently saying her performance is really good and she's a really strong character. And I was reading all these interesting things about performance, and I was like, uh, what? It's Blake Lively. She's like just a really she's a very beautiful, tall blonde woman, but she's very good. She's actually, she's very surprising. Uh, I see a lot, (laughs) this might be a weird thing to say, and I don't think it's offensive, but I see a lot of Ryan Reynolds' personality in her. Like, I think I see why they're a good match. Mm. She has kind of the same sense of humor and the same wit. Like, she has a couple one-liners early on when she's talking to, like, her guide that reminded me immediately of Ryan Reynolds. And I was like, that's really interesting. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that she's lifting from from him or that he's just like you know has dominated her personality in that way but i think i see what makes them click and i think that's really cool so i um but she's really likable uh her performance is good the cg in Would the you movie call it lively sure <laughs> it is lively it's a lively, lively performance i don't know how i let that one <laughs> i don't know how i let you get to that one first i'm disappointed <laughs> uh but the CG gets kind of terrible near the end. Like, there's no other mm. word for it. It's, like, pretty, odd, like, deep blue sea. We ran out of money. <laughs> yep, kind of. We ran out of the little bit of money it took to make this movie, which <laughs> is a little confusing. But it just goes to show you that less is more with, with shark yeah. films, I guess, if that's going to be. That's basically a genre now. And there are parts near the end where it just gets too unbelievable to even. It does a very good job of being very realistic and the threats are very real. Like she cuts herself on coral. And so she has a hard time walking on that foot. Mm-hmm. Now, like little things like that happen that, that you're like, wow, that would suck. And like, that's believable. You don't have any food. You don't have any water. You don't have any suntan lotion for God. Cause she's just sitting on that rock for a while. And near the end, it just becomes cartoonish and really silly. And then at that point I, I was glad it happened because I wasn't scared anymore. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to see how this plays out. And um, overall, I, I'm I'm glad I saw it in the theater. I don't think it's a must see in the theater. The only way you would benefit is if you want to be scared and you want you want to not be able to pause it or get up. Because if I had watched this at home, it would have been a really different experience for yeah. sure. So I'm glad I saw it in the theater. I guess because my my reactions to it were so visceral. And on my own couch, 
uh, it would have been a lot less so. Yeah. So I am glad I was trapped in the theater and just like couldn't leave. What's really funny is there was a kid. It was like a 14-year-old kid down the row from me, and he was just like leaning forward with his hands on his knees, just like watching it. And I was like, kid, how are you not scared right now? <laughs> like, it felt ridiculous. <laughs> he was like his grandma. And I was like, man, why am I the one who's all sweaty and freaked out right now? Because as a kid, it would have scared the bejesus out of me. Yeah. So, But um, yeah, she's good. It's, it's definitely worth seeing at some point. It does, it does a good job... Uh, I feel like it's it's not really a genre like like uh, someone trapped. It it feels like a found footage movie if that makes any sense, even though it's not. Well, there is there is a GoPro in the movie that they use a couple times, um, but it, it did kind of feel that way. It felt like it was kind of a sh- uh, there was like a shtick to it, like person trapped on rock with shark for a whole movie. What what's going to happen? And I was expecting it to be hokier than it was, but they okay. do a very good job of of keeping it moving along and and revealing things to you about her character and the situation. And that makes her really, really relatable. I was wondering, like, uh, are there any kind of, um, are there any like flashbacks or anything of that sort that kind of kind of cut away from that? Okay. Kind of, uh, but I won't tell you much more without getting into it. Okay, there's kind of there's almost like asides, sort of less a flashback if that makes any sense. Okay, they give but, you ways to be, to to relieve the mentally step yourself away from the rock for okay. a minute. Yes. Right. Yeah. And there's things about her that start to work their way out throughout the course of the movie and her story. So in a, so, so she actually becomes a character. Okay. And less just like cuz you're like okay, whatever. If there's a gorgeous blonde on a rock, you know, surrounded by a shark, it it could it could quickly devolve into just a, a exploitation movie and you yeah. wouldn't care if she died. You're like, yeah, whatever. She's cannon fodder, but they do make you care about her and they do make you root for her, which is the most important thing. Okay. Cause I think it could easily be one of those movies where you wouldn't really care how it ended. You'll be like, whatever, if she dies at the end, I'm cool with it. But because she is likable and they give her enough depth, you, you actually actively root for her to, to beat the shark. <laughs> yeah. All right. Willie. What did you think of The Shallows? Historically, I do not like shark movies. That's like one of the subgenres of horror where I have zero interest in. I'm like, why is this even a genre? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just, it's been never done anything for me. Yeah, I think that um, about horror a lot. <laughs> we haven't been kind to you. Um, we'll try better. We'll try harder. We do the um, Shark Attack series of films. I think the two movies that Nick mentioned earlier, Open Water and Jaws, are really the only ones I like in the entire yeah. genre. And I think that's fair. Um, I, this one can be added to the list. I really enjoyed it. Um, I would watch a sequel in the vein of aliens where Blake Lively and a team of Marines show up at the shallows <laughs> to take out the army of sharks together. You know, that would, would be I would, cool. Would, Blake, Blake and, Lively and, and heavily armed scuba divers go down to hunt sharks with harpoon guns. Yes. Um, there is a video game about that and it's hilarious. That sounds awesome. It's like a death match game and one team plays as sharks. <laughs> You could choose your species of shark, and the other team plays as dudes with harpoon guns. It's amazing. <laughs> I watched Gojo play it for a while, and it was hysterical. That's wonderful. <laughs> it looked um, terrifying, though. Like, when he was the scuba guy, I was like, I can't watch this. It's <laughs> too much. I really liked her. I really liked her character. Um, I will say this. In regards to her character, and kind of Nick, Nick touched on this, the actions, uh, the things like getting cut by coral and, and, um, and things like that. What I love about this movie that I think a lot of horror movies don't do is when I watch a horror movie and I really, really, the ones that I really get freaked out or scared or unnerved by are the ones where I watch somebody making, I wouldn't say all the right decisions because there's different decisions to make in any situation, but making decisions that make sense, making decisions that are smart or, yeah. or, or seem They're like, a, some kind seem of like a solid way out. 
not the running upstairs instead of running out the front door thing. But I love these movies where they make the right decisions and still get hurt or still get set back because those are the ones that you feel helpless and you're like, oh my God, I'd really be dead here. Because like she tried exactly what she should have tried. I didn't even think of that and she still got screwed. So it's mm-hmm. that's what really freaks me out, I think. Even more than the shark circling, it's the thought of like you put yourself in the in her shoes and you go, what would I do? How would I get out of this? You know? Yeah. And every good idea she comes up with, there's something that realistically gets in the way of that yeah. or, or, or something that maybe doesn't get in the way of what she's trying to accomplish right there. But she, she swims away from it a little more physically hurt or a little more tired or something, something that takes something out of her. Um, and I like that. That's what freaks me out is the idea that like, God, how is she possibly going to like, just, every time she tries to get away from that rock, something goes, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I like that. Um, this movie made me feel an emotional attachment to a seagull. Yep. Which um, I never thought Steven Seagull. His name is Steven Seagull. <laughs> and it's, he's, wonder- name the and he's wonderful. That's awesome. Um, he is. And I feared at times as much for Steven Seagull's life as I did for Blake Lively's character. <laughs> and that's just because I love animals. And apparently I have an, um, an unnoticed love for seagulls. So um, I agree with Nick. The CGI gets a little wonky. You know what's funny is that actually the shark CGI didn't bother me nearly as much as the hilarious like weird um plastered cg blake lively face on some of the surfing shots where I'm like oh, that's not like lively oh, yeah. that's, <laughs> that's so bad like it was like it was like if the studio ran out of money when they were trying to do the paul walker thing to clean up fast seven <laughs> like it's like weirdly pasted on there it's uh. uncomfortable um there's moments where she looks at the camera and it's like it's like kill me she's like a still <laughs> so, it's so gross um the surfing parts were cool the like, surfing there was footage is sweet stuff. surfing um yeah. there's a lot of movies about surfing that don't have nearly as good of surfing footage as this movie did so yeah that's kind of cool i actually yeah. started to, like this is the first movie i think i've ever seen where i'm like oh i get the physics of surfing you like, understand surfing. what they're doing now mm. it's kind of cool they didn't sound like they're teaching you they're just like the way it's shot and the they, they slow it down for some slow-mo and stuff, the, all the classic surfing movie tropes. But it, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it felt... No, I agree. It, it, was kind, cool. of, it, was, it kind of showed you how surfing works. It was cool footage. And they, they cut to moments of underwater footage during the surf segments because there's moments when you're underwater when you're surfing. I mean, when wave comes yeah. over you or you... It was cool. Um, yeah, if I... It, it would almost make me want to go surfing. If yeah, I almost if was if like, wasn't damn, that looks like it's kind of fun. Sharks. Sharks. Um, but yeah, I never will. Um... <laughs> Yeah, no, I I really enjoyed the movie. I think it's cool. I think it's it's like it's a legitimate um, uh, kind of white knuckle thriller. We don't get a lot of movies like this anymore. Um, really tight, really compact. Please don't make a sequel. There's no reason for it, unless it's her and and scuba marines uh, in the shark's nest with the queen shark waiting for them. Just make a remake of Aliens, but with <laughs> with Blake Lively stepping the into, into the Ripley role. Yeah, exactly. Oh man, um, I'm kind of into this idea. Yeah. I, oh, you can even bring back Bill Paxton. He can be his character from Titanic. Can we cast James Ramar and then replace him with Michael Bean? Absolutely. Like a couple weeks in a production. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> they have one shot of James Ramar from behind, and then the rest of it's Michael Bean. Um, Lance, Michael, Lance Bean can, Henriksen. Michael Bean can play his character from The Abyss. It'll be like an aquatic uh, Avengers. Like, we'll all get there together to, to fight these sharks. Oh, um, no, I think if uh, you don't have to be into shark movies uh, to like this. It's the silliest thing I've ever said. You probably shouldn't be into um, shark movies. This is a very, very cool thriller. Um, it's not overly gory. Which is nice. Uh, there's a little bit of blood, but it's PG-13, 
And uh, I will say that they this they they follow that Steven Spielberg rule of the you know the less is more thing. Um, and there are a couple of of um, shark attack scenes in this movie that are you don't really see anything, and it's so effective, so much more effective than watching like. You know, somebody actually get ripped in half or somebody, whatever. You know, it's yeah. it, not seeing it is so much scarier. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. It's like one of the scariest moments in Jaws is the very, very, very first time you actually see any of it when there's the little boy out on the thing and mm-hmm. you just kind of see, you can't tell what you're seeing. Right. That just that long, that that really wide shot of just kind of the fin and like the raft turning over. Yep. And I've seen that movie so many times, I still couldn't tell you exactly what I'm seeing. And it's so scary because you're like, what is happening over there? And I will say one of the most, real quick before we wrap up, um, one of the most effective things I think in this movie for me, funny enough, is there's a, there's a moment in the movie, and it's not a huge spoiler, where there's a whale corpse. Mm, well, it's not yeah. even a corpse. The whale's still alive. And it's been picked at a little bit, and mm. it's kind of floating there. It's got some chunks taken that out. That freaked me out a lot too. That the when she kind of comes upon this this whale carcass, um, it's so unnerving. Oh and yeah! Instantly, you're kind of enjoying all the surfing footage and the carefree attitude of the character and the and the other people that are surfing and everybody's laughing and having a great time and you know it's beautiful. It's a gorgeous beach. That wherever they shot that is oh, unbelievably amazing. beautiful. Yeah. Um, and and then all of a sudden she stumbles upon this and you go, ooh, that's right. It's like the kind of like wounded deer in the forest kind of feeling. You yes. Get. Yeah. Where it makes you feel really gross and yeah. icky and uncomfortable. And you want to do something to help, but there's nothing you can do. And you just, you're, it's, it instantly, and I think this is a directorial choice and I hope it was because it's, it's really effective. It just instantly like, it's like somebody just splashing cold water on your face. Like, no motherfucker, you're in for a treat because you're about to get tortured for the next 90 minutes. Yeah. That part's really well done because it it definitely is. It's, it's scary and it's immediately like a red flag that something's wrong. Something's really wrong. There's like a lot the music cuts out and you just see this like whale with like bites out of it and all these birds landed on it. And she's kind of like, Oh, (laughs) And she goes like, "I better go look and like see what." This yeah, is. and I'm like, "Please don't." Yeah, please at don't. that point, I was like, "I'm, I'm just like sweating right now just talking about it." <laughs> oh, God, yeah. All right, it's too much. I did want to check it out. I almost did yesterday, but I kind of was burnt out after. I, I think I think it's worth it's worth a look when it comes out on on demand or whatever. You your, don't need your to viewing see it platform. in theaters, but you. I mean, you, you could catch like a matinee yeah. if, if you want yeah. to see. I mean, I think it's I, worth going and seeing. In the I think theaters. it does benefit. I don't from think being you the have theater. to. If if you don't make it, you don't make it. Yeah, but yeah. If you're gonna ever see it, if you have an interest in seeing it, you should go for five bucks at the theater at a matinee. Sure. But if you if you wind up watching it at home, uh, do what Nick said. Don't don't. If you got to go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom. Turn the lights off. I'm not going to tell you to turn the lights your, off. Put your damage yourself. Away. Put your feet but, in a kiddie pool. But just 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 sit <laughs> and just watch. Oh, we sit, should bring sit we, in your bath buy this movie on umd sit in your bathtub we should bring a tv god. out to the pool at the apartments oh my god and to watch it in the pool i would not be able to do it oh my god screw that all right i will say i will maintain i i asked when we, were, when we would be working in florida i would ask like some friends like what would you rather be stuck in the water with an alligator or a shark and everybody would say an alligator and i was like you're crazy i would take the shark in a second like as scary as they are, that alligator wants to kill me. It's yeah. like you're in my water. I'm coming. Like you're dead. Yeah, that's interesting. A shark would be like, <laughs> I feel like at the very least, bump if, into if, me and check me out, and then be like, whatever, you're too skinny, and then just go away. <laughs> I feel like at the very least, if a shark attacked you, it'd be over very quickly. Like alligators do, like death rolls and stuff. Yeah. And all like, oh, yeah. Ugh. 
Um, Either way, not a good situation. No, remember? <laughs> yeah, like Willie said, this is like a thing. Remember, remember, remember when I'm doing your Chris Farley thing? You remember? That you time remember that one time? <laughs> like Willie said, this is an early thing that we bonded over, like a it million is. years yeah. ago. And, and he told me he was like, "You have to come." Over. God, it was so long ago. He goes, "You have to come over and and see this level in Resident Evil Four where this like swamp." The giant thing attacks you, and I was like, "No, man, I'm not gonna do that." <laughs> no, dude. I think I finally did one day come over and see this level, and he Terrifying. like he like wanted me to play it, and I was like, "No, I, I can't, <laughs> I can't possibly handle this." Yeah. I remember being terrified of it. There's a, I won't go into that right now. Do you guys want to do spoilers or no? No, I'm good. Uh, if you want to hear him, you want to see the movie though. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, we don't I have to do mean. spoilers. I don't think there's anything really to. The only thing I was just gonna complain about a few things near the end. Your your brain, there's an ice pack that your brain will explode. Okay, good to know. At the end. Yeah, there's a couple. <laughs> there's, there's, you... there's a couple that you're kind of like, Bleh. I mean, the whole premise of the movie is pretty much a blown up. Sharks don't do that. Like, they, they won't. <laughs> and if you the, the listeners <laughs> want to hear Nick's spoilery thoughts on The Shallows, please write in and let us know. And yeah. uh, We can go we in can depth. Figure something out. But or just go see it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then we can talk spoilers if you want. Yeah. All right. Feedback of MidwestFilmers.com. That's where you would let us know. You can write to us. Let us know what you think. Show the things that we talk about. We're at MFN Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. MidwestFilmNerds.com has all previous 185 plus bonus episodes with full show notes. So you can skip through the parts you don't want to hear like Spoiler Terry and other stuff. Uh, Gone to Texas. Check it out. We're on episode 6 titled Sundowner. Uh, check next week for episode 7 if you uh, have been listening along. And... Um, MidwestFilmers.com also has a support store where you can buy things and the money that you spend will come to us so we can make a show and network even better. Um, next week, not sure what we're going to do. There's nothing too crazy coming out. I'm probably seeing The Secret Life of Pets, but I can talk about that in addition to something else. So we will mull that decision over. But uh, if you want to hear us babble on about a bunch of other stuff, please keep listening after the uh, credits music. There's a lengthy discussion about a few different things, including but not limited to Robert Rodriguez, 4DX movies, THX, and the Machete Order of Star Wars movies. So go listen to all that. And Alex makes a wonderful purchase. Yeah, and I and I make a purchase that's been a long time coming. So Kyle XY, go watch a movie. You grow out of the sensitivity. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, like I will. I can safely say I'll never read those books again. Don't you kind of grow out of Robert Rodriguez? Really? Um. I think. Well, I think there's a talented director in there. I think the problem is that he's he's too caught up in 
He's got Guillermo del Toro syndrome. I feel like Robert Rod- Robert Rodriguez is what we feel about Quentin Tarantino. I like Quentin Tarantino. I I like him too, but I like for some reason I get caught up in like the Quentin Tarantino's annoying. You know what's hilarious about Robert Rodriguez though? You know what's really funny about him? What? His best movie is Shark Girl so, in Lava Boy. Is so not a Robert Rodriguez movie. Desperado. Because what are the two movies? What are the two kinds of movies you think of when you think of Robert Rodriguez? There's two primary types of movies that he makes. There's the there's the kids stuff. The kids stuff. Yeah. The spy kids. The shark mm-hmm. boy. And then there's the like, um, kind of grindhousey. Yeah. yeah, with usually with some sort of western type. Mm-hmm. His Trope. best movie is The Faculty. Really? It's his best movie. Hmm. No. It is. No, it is. It, that that's that's the best movie he's made. The it, faculty is really fun. You know, I see why you like it the best it, because it's basically a teen. It's a horror. fully, it's a perfectly contained story. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's got a beginning, a middle, and an end. It's super satisfying. It's a nice ninety minutes long. Faculty, it doesn't meander. Have you ever seen faculty? No. It's really stupid, but it's fun. <laughs> it's awesome though. It's 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 like if you want to see John Stewart as a villain, then <laughs> then watch that movie. It's I'm fantastic. down to see that. But, but, honestly, I think that's his best movie. Honest, I, I mean, it is good. And it it definitely falls outside of the typical Rob Rodriguez tropes. Yeah, I'm trying but. to think of a movie like I mean, are there movies with more with better action or better acting? Oh, absolutely, 100. percent I think Desperado is the best Rob Rodriguez movie. Desperado, okay, it's the purest. And he made yep. it. He made it for you know next Zero. to nothing <laughs> with a guy who was an up and coming star, yep. and and it's it well, has really two up and coming stars. That's true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And no, he, I mean it's a great movie. I'm not shitting on the rest of his filmography by any means. But. No, I, I don't think you are. I think. Uh, I still like Rob Rodriguez a lot. I think he's he's got a lot of talent. He just makes too many movies for his kids and not enough for himself. He got weirdly fanboy too, and I don't like it when directors get fanboyish. Like he also I, got a, he got he just got a big head though. Like he yeah. everyone suddenly like when you've got guys like Tarantino and that praising you and saying like you're you're amazing and you came from like you know doing lab experiments in order to fund your first movie. Yeah. If you come from really humble beginnings, I think you either hang on to that or you lose it instantly. Sure. <laughs> and I think he sure. lost it instantly and he, his head got too bloated. And, you know, in a way, I guess it's good that he made, he, because he, apparently he just really wanted to make Sin City too. And he, he did it. He's like, go for it. Fuck it. Honestly, I'm doing it. Like, that, yeah, that's cool. I'm not offended by it. It's fine. But he does have, he does have <laughs> talent that's, I mean, Planet Terror is so awesome. I just pulled I like up Planet Terror. Planet Terror is so yeah. awesome. I just pulled up his, um, IMDb to see what his upcoming projects are. It's confusing, like, right? It's like I, a thing of Mad Libs. It doesn't make any well, sense. Well, no, like the, it's just <laughs> the first thing I saw is the movie coming out in 2115 with um, Malkovich. Oh, did he do that? Yeah. God, that's so stupid. I hate, <laughs> I hate that. What? Never mind. 100 years. <laughs> the content of this film is currently a secret due to be revealed only when the title is released in 2115. Yeah, I thought I thought they that shot was a movie that they're not going to release until for hundred years after they shot it. Yeah. I, I thought I thought that was Soderbergh for some reason, which it's, is totally according to IMDb. It's Robert. No, Robert, yeah, no, Robert that's Gaines. fine. I thought it was Soderbergh because it's the type of obnoxious thing he would do. Well, so his upcoming projects, he's got for some reason he's got Alita: Battle Angel, which was Cameron. Cameron. Cameron's producing it though. Yep. I think right. Yep. He's also doing a Johnny Quest movie. I know Johnny Quest. I'm like, which is cool. I, actually, if you watch, that is if you look talk, at, we talked about that. We've had this. But no, but if you look at Spy Kids and, and Shark Boy, I think that that's a, it's a good that's idea. A good fit. Yeah. yeah. No, that that could be really really sweet. Fire and Ice feature adaptation I, of Frank Frazetta's tale of confrontation between an evil ice lord and a fire kingdom. Whatever. 
I think where he fell off for me personally was, like I said, when I mean by the fanboy thing is that every project he was had in development, I'm using air quotes, um, was some sort of property. It was like, oh, now I'm doing Barbarella and Red Sonia, and now I'm doing Sin City, and now I'm doing... And I'm like, dude, yeah. slow down. Like, well, like Barbarella well, don't and worry. Red Sonia. He didn't actually do any of those except I know. There's, there's, no, there's no demand for that, though, at all. Yeah. I, I, who, honestly, Barbarella is a perfectly wonderful product of its time, and that's it. And it should never be... There's, there's no, no There's it. zero demand for that. I, there's really not... I, I actually... I'd be more down for Red Sonia <clears throat> than a Barbarella movie, because I think it'd be cool to see like a... Like a swords and sandals type movie with a chick in the lead. <laughs> well, everybody saw Planet Terror and they were like, "Yeah, we want Rose McGowan and Rob Rodriguez to make that." And like that was like the rumor. It was that, and, yeah. and I was like, "Whatever." Yeah. I mean, that's fine. Yeah, I'd be fine with Red Sonja, but I don't know. It's just like I wish he'd make more. Original his or, his stuff. original ideas are so interesting that. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen any of the, the Desperado movies? I've seen all three of them. Oh, you have? Okay. Once Upon a Time in Mexico is really good, too. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's bad, but it's, it's one good. It's one of uh, Death's cooler performances. It was oh, yeah. the uh, yeah. second UMD film I watched. That's awesome. <laughs> what was the first? The uh, Spider-Man 2, because it came <laughs> with the... Is, is the pest on UMD? <laughs> Probably. I don't think so. I watched the intro to the I keep, For some reason, every time I went to GameStop, for I kept seeing the Mad Max UMD, and I was like, I should buy that just it's to have fine. it. The, the original <laughs> Mad Max. That's cool. I don't think, yeah. I, I own two UMDs. I had Alien vs. Predator. Oh, that's perfect for UMD. The Family Guy movie. Uh, one in stock, $13 I'm buying. <laughs> I don't know yeah, you why, heard it I'm here gonna, first. There's a past UMD? Yes, there is. You're buying it? Yeah, I'm buying right it. Right now as we speak. Yes, as we speak. <laughs> that's great. Screenshot it and, and post it. Myself. No, that's great. Myself. Do they make Waterworld on UMD? Because that's another good UMD movie. I'll tell you in a minute. Like good the movies, good movies can't really be. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a perfect one. A wonderful UMD. Like film. good movies. I mean, they could be like UMD is like where you watch Resident Evil. That's the perfect kind of <laughs> medium for that. I bought uh, <laughs> Ultraviolet. Who who sells this UMD you're buying? Is it on Amazon? Uh, it's on Amazon. I don't know who the. I think so. You're, you're buying it through Amazon. Uh, no, it's sold by a person on Amazon. Okay. But there's one in stock, it's $13, and it's Prime, so I can watch it two days from now. Portably. Speaking of the Patriot. Do you have a PSP that actually plays UMDs anymore? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Speaking of the Patriot. For Patriots, the next flight out to Japan. Japan. <laughs> I got my favorite, um, Tim sent me my favorite uh, 4th of July tweet of all the tweets. Okay. And it was from Jason Isaacs, who of course plays the the villain mm-hmm. in, in the Patriot. It said, the happiest of, for, of July 4th to all my American friends Things could have been so much different if I just shot straight. <laughs> and it's a picture of his character holding a pistol at Mel Gibson. <laughs> That's great. That's beautiful. It's really good. Like I'm happy that Jason Isaacs is, all, is acknowledging the Patriot. Jason Isaacs is active on Twitter, and he, <laughs> dude, that that movie was my introduction to him. And he's he's just so awesome in it. He's oh, just yeah. so icy, ice cold bad guy. Yep. He's one of the great. That's I'm not I'm not going to say he's one of the great villains because he's not. But he's one of those villains that's so. I'm sorry. I just thought of something. Please. So putrid and just despicable. You love that. To you're hate. begging for him to die by the yeah. end of that movie. Oh, for um, sure. The, the only one that I can think of that 
and I just watched this the other night actually that I can think of that was the the ultimate. I remember sitting in the theater and going, "Kill this, please, somebody kill him." I don't care if it's if it's uh, Russell Crowe is Joaquin Phoenix in Gladiator. Yeah. Oh, he is the amazing. worst. It but took it's, me, it took but me, it's such a good. He's performance. so good. Yeah, but it took me a long time to like not hate him like as a person. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think I'm still getting over it. But. Jason, well, when when because I was used to Jason Isaacs from The Patriot, and then mm-hmm. when they cast him uh, in Harry Potter, I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, that's perfect." Really, really, really cool. Cool I used to kind of picture when I was reading the Harry Potter books back in the day. I would picture Jason Isaacs as Snape, like he he was kind of what I envisioned. Yeah, he's also very good in Soldier. Why? <laughs> mm-hmm. He is. He's a, he's a frequent. Um, <laughs> he's a good guy. <laughs> uh, Widescreen Anderson collaborator. Mm. They did Event Horizon together. Soldier. Yeah. Oh God. Event Jason Horizon. Isaacs is in one of the Resident Evil movies. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's good. I was going to, the thing that I thought of, uh, John and, and Nick and Lance last week on Gone to Texas were talking about the Civil War, and they couldn't remember if Virginia was in the South. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, I, I, I like the Civil like, like I, I enjoyed learning about the Civil War in school, sure. so I was like yelling at my phone. when you. Well, the funny thing is, is like, like you know... Yeah, but but, then, it, but it's one of those ones where it, it is it's a fact you've had hammered into your mind so much your whole public school education that you actually question it for a second. Like yeah. like all it takes is for one person to say I don't know, and then you go, well, do I know <laughs> for yeah. sure? You're like, do I want to make so this claim? And it's knowledge that you don't like consistently pull from. Right. So it's something oh, that after like, after that episode, and I was like driving home, I was like, man, why did we ever say that out loud? <laughs> I was like, this is really <laughs> no one's gonna listen to our show anymore. Because like these guys are well, stupid. Fun, I think the funny thing is it was the second most downloaded episode of the season. Oh, that's good. So, so people love our confusion about yeah. civil like, war. These idiots don't even know who was in the civil. Like what? You know, the real civil war was just as confusing as Captain America's civil war. We didn't know which which side. <laughs> Who did who did who did that? It's very conflicting. No, not at all. Actually, no. See, shouldn't have said um, that So, what else was I going to say? The Free State of Jones. No, hot, hot Civil War <laughs> film out it's right now, funded by the Chinese. Is it? <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> did we talk about that too? I think, I think, we, I think we, we touched did. on it. I said something because we saw the trailer. And is I there a Chinese it. like battalion in the movie? <laughs> that was what you said. <laughs> I like we we haven't done this in so long. I know I just I was thinking about it today when I was thinking about what we've been watching, and I was like, it's going to bring up something. I was like, I don't even remember what I've talked about on previous what we've been watching. I don't think we've done one. In a Is while. there a battle scene set the Chinese Ninja War? I don't know. I'm. It makes me really curious. Really, that's the only. <laughs> like, I love McConaughey, and I like watching Civil War related stuff. Could you stuff. imagine just ninjas like whoa, <laughs> flipping through the scene, <laughs> trying to assassinate Matthew McConaughey? <laughs> oh my gosh! South, it just South becomes the last ninjas. samurai. Oh my! I love that movie so much. That is a really good movie. Yeah. I saw an article online that you've never seen it. Yeah. What? I have, I've had the potential to visit the places where it's been filmed. Find out if that's serious? on UMD. Yes. That'd be I'm a good UMD movie. I'm not going to watch it on UMD. <laughs> <laughs> Let's face it, I'm never going to watch the best on UMD. I just need to have it. Have to it on. That's fair. You should but. do a series of uh, articles about UMD, <laughs> UMD, UMD how are the How are the UMD transfers? How's the transfer? Oh, man. Are there any criteria in UMDs? No, I hope not. You should. You know what would be fun to do is write an article on a movie that you really love, like The Pest, yeah. and watch it on every format it's available on, and just Which talk one's about. The best? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Just talk about all. I of think. Them. I think the answer is probably VHS. Like it seems like that's the logical best. Or way there's to... a laser disc, like a German yeah, that's laser what I was disc about, or something. I was about to like I really, I, I would love to watch Home Alone on VHS again. 
I have a copy on VHS. Yeah, see, like that, or even Star Wars, actually, because we, I don't have Star Wars on DVD because they've made so many versions of it. I have, in my opinion, the best version of Star Wars was the 1997 special editions. Mm. They added enough, but it was tasteful, tastefully done, a little bit of cleanup, a little bit of sub ins and then but they didn't go crazy and i have that on one widescreen vhs and i uh i popped them in i i took the vcr from my brother's house and i brought it home and i started watching one of the gojo and i actually watched the last half hour of return of the jedi in vhs and it was so good yeah that's the way star wars was meant to be seen i think if not on film then vhs yeah some stuff is just it works better the gold is the gold set the white screen. That's the full one? screen. That's full screen. Yeah, the silver is the white. Silver is the white screen. I have both. I can't remember actually. which I have. I have the original original. I VHS thought I had the white screen, but that might have been before I had any kind of sway over what was purchased for me. Sure, <laughs> but um, unlike these days, where you can just buy one click buy the pest on UMD. The- <laughs> Um, one click pest purchase so I think I'm going to put all this after the yeah. s- final song just as extra stuff people yeah. can listen to if they That'd choose to or not so I was, ta- I was when I was in Alaska I got to see my cousin Justin cousin Justin Custin Justin, Custin Justin. <laughs> hey Custin Justin <laughs> but uh, Custard he, Justin we, we got to talking about movies a little bit and one of the things that he was talking about he said uh, he brought up 4DX theaters and he said that he you, have you guys heard about 4D it's the whole. Do you remember the old, like the alien ride that used to be? Yes. And where you get like the thing they're breathing on you and they yeah, that's terrifying. The, yeah, mist and so stuff. So that's yeah. now being put into movie theaters in Canada and everywhere. Alaska. There's one. There's one in New York and one in uh, California. So so it's a testing period. What for are they company. adding? So he, the movie he saw was The Martian. Okay. Really? And in The Martian, he was talking to me about how... First of all, he likened it to THX. And he told me the story about he remembers going to the theater when THX was first coming out. And the first thing I said to him, I was like, yeah, that just completely insane noise that comes out of the screen. He's like, yeah. And when I first went to a theater where they started showing, like the first time they ever used it, the manager came out before the movie and was like, this is going to be startling. Like, this is going to, it's going to be loud. And people were like, okay, whatever. And then Justin was like, and then he walked off and the lights went down and they played the movie. And when the sun, the sound came on, this man threw his popcorn in the air with how loud it was. And I was like, damn. Sounds like, like an overreaction. It, maybe so. But if you had never, like, if movie theaters weren't anywhere near as loud as they are today. Yeah. That's true. And then you go into a THX sound system movie theater and hear it for the first time and then that insane crescendo that plays in the that THN. yeah everybody knows that no it's oh, like yeah. well not everybody anymore there's people graduating high school that might not know that noise yeah now but, they just know the sony is it the dolby atmos, atmos. Dolby atmos yeah. sound which yeah. isn't nearly as cool no it's not like there's i'm never gonna like in 20 years i'm not gonna comment about that but i'm still gonna know what the thx noise i is. love that that, that sounds horrifying but, by the way yeah. oh i loved it to me, it, that was the cue that the movie's going to start. <laughs> I loved it. I, I, love, I love that it's named after THX 11382. Yeah, which cool. is really I always, cool. like, I remember guarding my ears with how loud it was I in loved movies it. back in the great. day. But um, That reminds me, Gojo, I texted Gojo something. He asked me a question. I answered it for him. And, uh, you know, people will say, like, like text shorthand for thanks is THX. Yeah. And he said THX 1138. <laughs> it was, like, his way of saying thanks. <laughs> I was That's like, good. nice, sick THX 1138 reference. <laughs> More typing than actually typing out thanks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, Justin saw The Martian in 4D, and it 
He said that during the movie, there were like, uh, they also can put, this is the stuff that Robert Rodriguez was um, speaking of, was doing in Spy Kids 4D with the scents and things like that, where they can put scent in the air and like smell-o-vision kind of stuff. Justin was talking about how in The Martian they would do like the huge sweeping shots of the vista. They would like blow some wind behind you and bring in the smell of like dust and that kind of thing. And he could go into the, the greenhouse and they would kind of mist water out at you and that kind of stuff. And he talked about how immersive it was. And he said, he said even when they were like in, in scenes when uh, the crew is up in the space station or in their like space vehicle of whatever it was the they would just start to barely tilt the seat as if you're in like zero gravity and it was enough to kind of make your inner ear kind of be like oh what like i need some he was like i'm looking for some kind of horizon in order to orient myself so i was like and i told him i was like that's awesome i feel like it would be something i would do on my second viewing and he's like yeah i think that's the perfect use case of it of like knowing what's coming but kind of because that way you can kind of see how they're using that medium to try and immerse you more. Mm. But it sounded really interesting to me, whereas I was listening to the Slash Filmcast a couple of weeks ago and Devendra Hardwar was talking about it. And he went and saw Batman v Superman in 4D. <laughs> he was like, I just felt like I was being assaulted. Like <laughs> That's I a long movie. Yeah, for... and I, he's like, I, I felt like I was being punched in the back every time somebody would punch someone. And that's not how I want to see my movies. So I think... I hope one comes here. And it was interesting because when I was in Mexico, I was actually 20 minutes from a 4D theater and I mm. didn't know. And I, I'm a little disappointed I didn't go to see something. But wow. I think, I think it would be cool to experience. It would be interesting. I don't think I like it. And I probably would not like it. But it turns it into more of an amusement ride. Yeah, it's less it's less of a story at that, but less and more of like like you keep saying experience and immersion and I I don't know. For certain movies it might be like if if they had that available when we went to see Warcraft, I probably would have been like, Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> because I don't care. But like the Martian I, think I almost bought a Steve box for Warcraft. <laughs> yeah, that would have been great. But <laughs> with the Martian, I'm like, I don't I don't want to smell dirt and like you know what I mean? Like I just want to watch the movie unfold. But before that's me. that's why I think it would be my second viewing. Yeah, it's would, to, yeah. It it's, would, yeah. It it's, wouldn't yeah. be the way it wouldn't be my preferred first viewing, but I would be like <clears throat> Hey, I really like The Martian. I might want to see it again before it leaves theaters, and it's in 4D. Let me go check it out, or something mm-hmm. like that. I'd say if it's a movie that, like The Martian, where I think I'd, I'd rather just sit and, and watch the movie. Yeah, second viewing. If it's, I think Nick's totally right though. If it's something like, if it was if like it was Gods of Egypt, seven, Gods of Egypt, eight. the 4D experience, <laughs> I'd be like, let's do it. Yeah, let's do yeah. it. I could see it maybe being, cool. and, and it would depend obviously on the on the the chops of, of, of director because I I remember first seeing like the the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies and some of those shots where he's swinging mm-hmm. are just exhilarating like yeah. you feel exhilarated watching them just because of the way it's captured and maybe something like that if like the wind was blowing like that that could be kind of neat yeah but I don't know if I'd want it through a whole film and I and I wouldn't want people to like be turning to each other did you feel that like, oh. yeah I that's mean, pretty that sweet right like, and I'm like know. oh here we go <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, it does feel kind of like a reactive measure, something for theater chains and and studios are trying to do in order to get people to come back. But I mean, you know, they study this this stuff in film history classes and it's laughed at. It's like, remember when they did Smell-O-Vision and when they first did 3D and it was stupid and like Vista-Vision and all these like crazy gags. Yeah. Yeah. And at the end of the day, the theaters were always saved because they just started making good movies again. Yeah. 
So I think that's the key. I mean, are we just, if, we're, hey, if we're just uh, if we're just going you know going around the wheel and, and the cycles just. You know, we're doing the true detective thing. And we're yeah, going but around, well, I think the fine. difference is that, like, with Smell-O-Vision, you, like, had your card, and here's, like, space number one to scratch, like, 30 minutes into the movie, and then you smell it or something. Like, that's, I, I don't know how the Smell-O-Vision I would prefer work. that over them shooting gas at me through a movie theater, because, like, oh, hey, w- w- or, uh, this is this how I'll die one day? <laughs> Someone hijacks a movie theater <laughs> and kills us all? Th- that's <laughs> fair enough, but I just think as the technology evolves... Same way with 3D. 3D is now more prevalent than it ever was before because it's gotten True. to a better place than wearing red and blue anaglyph glasses. So, you know, anyway. I, I just, I, I, I'm trying to rack my brain here to think of the most unpleasant smell-o-vision movie there could be. Any horror movie. Joe's Apartment. Like any zombie movie where you're just smelling corpses the whole time. Yeah. Warcraft probably wouldn't have been too hot. <laughs> pretty smelly. I don't orcs. Orc sweat. I don't know. And uh, Medivh's Lair might have been pretty uh, <laughs> just pleasant. Just lavender. <laughs> lavender. <laughs> lavender and vanilla. All I know is yeah. if they had had the shallows in 4D, I would not. There would have been, there would have been no way to get me Something into that. Something grabs your leg underneath the... No. <laughs> I'd die. I would have a heart attack and die. I almost had one with just watching the movie. Uh, so one other thing that Justin and I talked about, he has some younger kids that he was prepping for Star Wars, and he was one of the, he he did the he was one of the many people that I think as this was coming was kind of deciding how he wanted to show his kids the movies, and I know that we have previously talked about the Machete Order and how it seems like who cares you know, but he did the Machete Order and he said that he really appreciated it because he felt as though. It still what is gives the machete you, order again? Machete order is four, five, two, three, six. Skip one is omitted. No Phantom Menace. Okay. You can go back afterwards if you want. Four, but. five, two, three, six. Yeah. And I think his main reasoning for it was not not only like the um preservation of the Anakin Darth Vader thing in that you learn Vader's the font. Like you, you understand why Anakin's in those movies with that. And you don't ruin the Darth Vader twist. But also he said that he appreciated the kind of emotional breath between Han Solo getting frozen in carbonite in the end of five. Mm-hmm. And then on the third movie after that, you're watching him get out of get it immediately. Rescued. Cause right. cause like if you, yeah, if you were just watching them smack dab together, there's no, you don't know if he's still alive. You don't know what's going on. Uh-huh. But in terms of when he saw them as a kid, there was a good amount of time between Strikes Back and, and Three Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. So it kind of... that Man, that's so amazing. I'd love to have seen reactions back then in 1980 when people just don't know what's going to happen yeah. to anybody. Yeah. Like, what was the wild speculation? What were all the nerds talking about back then? Like... <laughs> The insane, like we, I listened to a bunch of Game of Thrones podcasts and hearing people like theorize what's going on and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Like, what was that like for Star Wars? And God. I guess we're kind of in it now. But just yeah, but to to go back back then when like the internet didn't, you know, when people had to just go out after the movie. I mean, I'll bet like bars and restaurants were crammed after movies with people all talking about like what happened in Star yeah. Wars. How awesome! <laughs> Why doesn't that exist anymore? The best we ever did was like a half circle in the parking lot after a movie, and we used to do that yeah. all the time. Yeah. And, oh, man, what a time to go back and, and, and visit movie culture. Mm-hmm. How, how great. Man. Totally. So, oh, wow. 
All right. I'll put a cut here.